I always, I swear to God, there's always a delay it's when fine. you clap. It's a, a rough literal, estimation. Rough estimation where all the laugh cues going to be like one second late. That's fine. Crack a joke, delay. Ha 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 ha. Oh my God. It's fine. Honestly, though, you have played the game for a long time. Don't you have anything else to do with your time? Gaming Blues Podcast. Welcome to another week of the Gaming Blues Podcast, brought to you by Enthusiasm. I am joined by my lovely co-host, as always, Gaming Pilgrims, Darren McPhail. I like how I'm lovely this week. You're lovely this week, you're charming the next week. Ooh, sweet talker you. I am, I am. This is the Duo Podcast, where we talk about general video games and not esports. Because who would want to talk about esports for an extended period of time, let alone, like, I don't know, an hour by themselves, right? (laughs) Who wants to do that shit? (laughs) Well, this fantastic Duo Podcast is available on major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and all that good stuff. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review, good or bad, so we can learn and improve and bring you a better experience in future episodes. Man, I'm getting better at this. Shit. Yeah, that was pretty smooth. That's pretty slick. Oh, all the practice. Practice does make perfect, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I'm not supposed to say what date this is, but we are in the third week of January. And we are kind of, you know, in a drought of news. Well, there is a big news that we could talk about, but, you know, the internet has talked a lot about it already. And Mr. Darren over here, He's part of another podcast, and it would make more sense if he gave his thoughts on that podcast instead. Um, Do you want to plug your other podcast activities right now? Sure. I don't normally like to plug at the start, but I am also on the... New podcast plug. New podcast plug. I'm an an occasional host. I am an occasional host on Emblemcast, which I am now, for the near future, I'm editing. So you can catch me over there. We should be recording regular episodes bi-monthly, give or take. And uh, yeah, we're going to have an episode coming up shortly covering Byleth and Fire Emblem's representation or over-representation in Smash. So because you're betraying me for the other podcast, how about you give me like an elevator pitch on how you feel about the DLC? You know, to be fair... I was invited to be on their podcast way before I was invited to be on your podcast. You mean our podcast? Even like back during the uh, run back radio days. Ah, the forbidden times. The forbidden times. (laughs) Uh, My keynote on Byleth is, I think Byleth is a boring pick that was done for marketing. Mm -hmm. And because Japan really likes Byleth for some reason, because they like planks of wood who are characters. Also, they made her into a magical, like, <clears throat> magical shoujo girl. They did. The well, the the male counterpart got his ass kicked. Yeah. I mean, they had, they had they had a lot of stuff to counter the too many sword characters. Like they addressed that, but I don't know. It just felt very flat. Like it felt it felt compared to all the other reveal trailers that this one was really low effort. I think right after because the Terry one was like so much production going into it. And people's expectation was like this is the final one, but then we get eh, marketing marketing character, so that kind of fell flat. I mean, well, it, well, it, it it also <coughs> falls flat because of it's just another main character from Fire Emblem, whereas they could have pulled from a million cool characters from Fire Emblem. Even and out well, of three yeah. houses, they could have chosen a more interesting character. Oh yeah, like Edgar Lord and Dimitri. They would be more interesting. Hell, just you should just have a character that's just the three lords. All right, you can catch up on further discussion on this is Darren's other podcast, which he likes more than this one, apparently. Ha ha ha. Moving on. As I said, <clears throat> we are in well actually have a throat problem, but that's just my problem. We are in the void of exciting news, but Darren has an has another topic he wants to talk about. Whereas I am not exciting. that keen, but he is super excited about. So I will give him all the time he needs to talk about his most excited moment of this week. 
<laughs> yes, it was the most excited I've been at six o'clock in the morning when I was on wow. Twitter and read that Gundam Extreme Versus Maxi Boost On is coming boost, out to boost, PS4, boost. which is the it's no longer the latest version of Gundam Versus because Gundam Versus Extreme Two is out in Japanese arcades. But that is still in development, basically, because they keep patching in new characters. Whereas with Maxi Boost on, we get like 174 characters or something absolutely insane like that. Yes. And it's going to be a return to formula after Gundam vs. PS4, which wasn't really widely accepted by the Gundam vs. community. Whereas Maxi Boost on is proven. It has a huge following. It has a huge competitive basis. And people are really excited because for the like for the first time, the, a Gundam versus game, well, Gundam versus Extreme, is coming to the West and the rest of the world. So that's really cool. Get to play in English. Get to have online matches. I'm really excited about it because those games are great. They're phenomenal, and this is like one of the best ones, if not the best one, the one to beat, if you will. And it's gonna have local split screen. So local split, split screen as in you can have one versus one matches or you can have two versus two if your TV's big enough? Uh, from my understanding, I believe it's meant to be so that you can do 1v1 or you can team with someone and then go online or team and sync up PS4s and play in like a tournament. So does it, does it split horizontally or vertically? I believe... Is it one of those like mini screens, kind of like stacked on top of it? It splits horizontally, so you each get a mini screen. But I don't, I haven't seen screenshots for what the split screen looks like, but they confirmed it already, and that's really exciting, and it makes tournament play a lot more accessible because they don't need four TVs to now, and four PS4s connected to the internet to do online matches. I have two questions for you. Yes. You might not have answers for. Was the online for Gundam versus good? It was generally acceptable. It depended on like the like if you were on a wired connection or whatnot. But generally, like even in, back in Gundam Extreme versus, I've played like on like the Japanese PSN. I've played against people in Japan and have had like good connections. It's just a matter of connection quality, but it could always be better. Is this title going to be a, such a hit that they're going to have or be included within like FGC tournaments? I mean, I feel like this is only ever going to show up at anime specific stuff because it's a pretty specific community. It doesn't really have a lot. Of, it's not like, you know, if you play Street Fighter, you can go hop over to like a KOF setup or something like that. It's not that it doesn't really translate. It's a specific skill set, but I think it's one of those games that's easy to jump into and you know, maybe if I think having the game released in multiple regions, multiple languages is good for exposure. And it it maybe could be a good time to, you know, get people interested in it. I think it'll have a like a short tournament life, but I think it'll be primarily in like side tournaments. So why does a game still running on the PS3 engine coming out in 2020? Because it is the complete version of it because they finished all development for it. So you're going to get like every character that's ever been in a Gundam game pretty much. So that's the sacrifice. It does look a bit better than the arcade footage from what we've seen in screenshots. So it's possible they may have up it. But I would also argue that Gundam Versus didn't look that drastically different. It just made things look shinier. So, and with how chaotic the game is, I don't think you'll really notice. How do I get the authentic Japanese experience where I'm surrounded by cigarette smoke? Well, just invite some chain smokers to your house. Bingo. Now, Play together. <laughs> and smoke together. I don't condone smoking at all. No, this podcast does not support chain smoking. This podcast also for children, PG-13, also abiding by YouTube children law, I think. Probably not, because I curse too much. Now... Do you actually legit care for this game, or is it because you just have a hard-on for a actually legit Gundam game? It's twofold. Every <laughs> trip I have ever made to Japan, which is two, it's twi- two trips for two weeks, I which have spent... A it's a good amount of time. I have spent at least 15 hours of those trips, like collectively, in the arcade playing Gundam Versus, Maxi wow. Boost On. 
Because I life, my friend. Hey, <laughs> I love it, and I can actually play against the Japanese players, and some of them actually respect me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I fist bumped a guy in an arcade. That doesn't happen, man. Don't you think it's amusing? They've they see like a white person playing. Well. They see. I think it's incredibly amusing that they see me at the arcade playing it, but being able to like keep up with them, I think they find hilarious. How did you not end up on some national TV broadcast? <laughs> Probably because that's just it's just another day in Japan. Like I, I really like Gundam Versus. I played probably seventy hours worth of the PS4 version before I got busy with other stuff, and then the community kind of died down on it. Mm. So I'm hoping, at least because of the split screen, that this one has a lot more longevity in terms of, like the competitive scene. Because I, I legitimately think it's like one of the most fun arcade games to play period and i'm also a huge gundam fan and i love all the references and getting to play as some of my favorite obscure characters from the gundam multiverse i'm only ifed because i bought the game somewhat at full price i think at 50 bucks you bought it yeah you i don't think i've ever heard of you playing it I played with you because you told me it was the greatest thing, and I bought it. We played online recall, together I don't one or twice. This experience, you must have been exactly. Bad. Were you bad? I didn't enjoy it. Were you bad? <laughs> I'm always bad. I suck at the game. <laughs> Maybe it's that's why we me, didn't play okay? together that much. It's not for me. I tried it once and I was like, okay, maybe I'll learn the combos on my own. I never played again. Maybe because Valkyria Chronicles 4 came out at the same time. Who knows? Did you beat Valkyria not Chronicles me. 4? No! Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm seeing a pattern. Buy games and never beat them. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> this Welcome one. to Backlog Battles on the Gaming Blues podcast. I mean, that was my initial gimmick for streaming, but... Then I would actually have to beat the games, which is hard for me to do. Impossible. Some of the the games I own is rather boring. But (laughs) speaking of games I actually bothered to beat. (laughs) So on the last podcast, when we when it was a duo one, we talked about the game of the years awards, game of the year awards, not the game awards. You could call them the VGA. And at the VGA, a certain game got nominations but didn't win anything, even though the hype for this specific game, particular game, was through the roof. What game is that, Darren? Uh, that is Kingdom Hearts 2.9 Final Remix, gonna open up to the last game, Final Prologue, Conclusion, Prequel Saga 3. Plus DLC. Remind. Remind me to play this game because it's been so long since the original game came out. Approximately, it came out in March because I remember it came out during my birthday and I took that week off to play this game. You took the whole week off? No, I took like one day off on the launch day. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Man, I took the whole week off to play this game. Really? Well. Oh, well. No. (laughs) No. I mean, the company owed me a day for working overtime, so I'm like, Okay, I'll just take this day off when the game came, comes out. So, a little backstory. So, this game, what, like Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in like the 2005s and 6s, I think? I think it's 2006 in English. So, practically, we've been waiting almost 10 years for this game to come out. We've been waiting for over a decade. And, as you know, this was one of those almost... Like, StarCraft Go situation, oh, it'll never come out. Like, it'll get delayed to oblivion. Well, the thing was, unlike StarCraft Ghost, there was, what, like, six games released in between that all were not Kingdom Hearts 3? It was various spinoffs, prequels, movies, yeah. mobile games, you name it. The, po- the point being, we thought it would get delayed forever. But Square somehow managed to actually release games for once and release 15 and 3, Kingdom Hearts 3, for once. It took a and lot. It took a lot. And after months and years of anticipation, I actually bothered to go to a midnight launch for this game. I don't know why in the age of really fast delivery via Amazon. Or I just downloaded and pre- I just preloaded the game and played it the second it came out. <laughs> Shut up. I wanted the uh, I poster. EB Games exclusives. I don't know. So went to midnight launch. Surprisingly, there was a lot of people lined up. Ran into like a bunch of people that I know in the lineup. 
um, went home and didn't play it. <laughs> and you took the day off for it. Yeah. Hmm. I think I was sick. Who knows? Hmm. Did I play it? No, no, I was doing errands. Okay, so... All I know is that you beat it at some point. I actually beat it. And I I ended up with the feeling I had after I beat Final Fantasy Fifteen. In a way, I loved it in, like, the first few hours. Going, like, wow, this is, like, my game of the year right here. Great game. And then I beat the game. Then I'm, like... Eh, okay, great game, but not my definitely not my game of the year. So it just had like a really, really good high jump off point and just, just died down. You know, it's funny you compare it to Final Fantasy Fifteen because I oh, feel no. like there may or there may be like, I don't know, one or two similarities between those two games. Do go on, explain. I mean they're directed by the same well at one at some point. Final Fantasy 15, once versus 13, was the brainchild of Tetsuya Nomura, who is the head guy for Kingdom Hearts 3 and a lot of Final Fantasy projects. Uh, they both suffered from a lot of delays, several revisions, and at some point, just entirely scrapped scenarios and concepts. And both experienced development hell, and both were in development and announced to be in development during pretty similar windows. But one game, which actually just finished all the DLCs, turned out to be pretty good once every piece of the DLC launched and they released a Royal Edition, which kind of fixed every bad things about the original game. Well, Hmm. I don't know about that. It's better. It's better, but it's not fixed. Some people would argue like Episode Arden is better than the base game. (laughs) I would say I think those people are a little too devoted to their game. Like somebody stood a Gundams. I don't know what you're talking about. There's no parallel going on. So Kingdom Hearts 3 is not a bad game. That's not what I'm I'm trying to say. Darren might have opposing opinions, but we'll get to his part later. So what I liked about Kingdom Hearts 3, and we're talking about Kingdom Hearts 3. I should like lay out the context. By the time this episode goes up, the actual first piece of big content DLC, which is usually during in like the ps2 era this will be dubbed the final mix or where square enix would like to call it the international version where they release a japan only uh expansion pack for the game that will be entirely in english for japanese audiences yep which makes total sense and the american audience never gets a piece of it unless you import that shit or you find a translated copy online but this was back in the day where like well, it was a PS2 era, so how are we supposed to, like, you know, get ROMs for all that shit? I but mean, nowadays, people did. Everyone's now connected, and the global shipping's a thing, and globalization's a thing, so especially DLCs are things. So no more physical copies of expansion packs. We just get it via download. So on one hand, I'm happy, and the other hand, I'm kind of sad because same thing that always comes always comes to mind when it comes to DLC. Why wasn't this part of the original game? But that's another discussion for another day. Because development is hell. And within that hell, I enjoyed my time at Kingdom Hearts from my favorite part being the combat and my time with some of the Disney worlds and the Pixar worlds. The worlds I liked, and you can agree or disagree with me on here, Darren, I love Toy Story. Best world in the game. Agreed. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, like it, it's been done before, but the graphics for, the, for that specific world really showed what that engine can do, and I was pleasantly surprised how how good it looked. I mean, I know a lot of people give uh, some flack to the Pirates of the Caribbean section because it was so uh, it had like oh a lengthy name. section where you had to find crabs. Oh, yeah. Which I mean, a lot of people take issue with. Some people didn't like how they set up that world. I personally really loved it, how it reminded me of Assassin's Creed 4, where you go from your ship to town to town, and how mm-hmm. you can freely explore the overworld and find secrets and weapons and upgrades and bosses yes, and yes, all yes. sorts of stuff. Like, I thought Pirates of the Caribbean, and like you said, it's absolutely gorgeous. It has a completely different art style, and it just works. Like, I think this game 
probably has the most enjoyable overall set of worlds in any Kingdom Hearts game. And in terms of moment-to-moment to moment gameplay. Yes, in moment-to-moment. Moment. Now, adding on to that, most people might go against me, but I loved Arian, though, for the Rapunzel level. That is a cool area. I thought that was really well done, and some of the cutscenes literally looked like the Pixar replicant or Pixar version. Yeah, I think they did that across the board with a lot of the Pixar scenes. Like when you see Toy Story, you're like, they could make a Toy Story movie in this engine, and I wouldn't blink. Like super uncanny levels. Like wow, like why are you? Why Sora in this like Pixar movie all of a sudden? That kind of like yeah. Immersion, the level of quality in the game is there's clearly a high caliber of skill going to the development of the game in terms of like the visual setup and a lot of the design for a lot of the worlds like there was clearly a lot of time and effort spent there and then those were my favorite worlds and then next would be like monster inc i thought that was handled also well some some tedium here and there but I think after those, like after Toy Story and like Pirates of the Caribbean, like what about my, Big Hero Six? I'm getting to that. Oh, so my disappointment in the game kind of falls in within Big Hero Six and the Frozen World. Now, Big Hero Six, I like one thing I didn't like about it is how like the story plot is ba- like super predictable. I like mean, that, do you know like what you're for, playing? It, yeah, it's a kid's game. And maybe like because I'm like kind of like older now compared to when I first played Kingdom Hearts 2, that's always kind of that factor. Yeah. Like, we've grown up, but Sora hasn't really grown up. So I thought some of the moments in that section were cringe. And I mm. thought as... Like, they handled Toy Story 2, Toy Story World really well in terms of like the monsters, the boss fight, even that creepy like goth doll boss yeah. that was kind of creepy. But, but here's the thing. I thought, the Toy Story world, the Monsters Inc. world, um, the Big Hero Six world, and maybe well, Pirates of the Caribbean kind of did it, kind of just redid mm. the movie. But most of the worlds in Kingdom Hearts games just retell the stories of the movie that they're they're featuring it in, which is always really uninspired and usually not that exciting but at least with like stuff like beer hero 6 and toy story they gave you an original story which is more interesting to me yes on the, i i agree it was interesting but at the same time i thought the execution was kind of lacking like the environment was large and like devoid of and like things that could have filled it with you know yeah i feel like, like, like toy story toy story was like full of life in an area that was like really you know kind of um stick true to their original source but big hero six while neo tokyo tokyo san francisco what else called i don't know oh my gosh i'm trying i'm drawing a blank but it's like tokyo cisco <laughs> san fran tokyo san fran tokyo i think that's what it's called yeah anyway like the world felt empty like there's nothing in the streets like it felt like you just dropped them in like a, a really empty level and you had to go through rings, and I think you could have done a better like mission like layout than that, given how like the Tory Story world and like the Pirates of the Caribbean kind of worked out, you know? Yeah, it definitely had less structure, and it was more like go to over here, do a challenge, go over here, do this. Now we're gonna do a boss fight with unrelated mechanics to the rest of the game. And then here is my final irate of the Chosen World. What in the hell was the Frozen level? The frozen level was real rough. It was really unremarkable. I didn't even see the movie, but I know that things were cut from that like movie. <laughs> it, it literally was just the plot of the movie, and you had to climb them out, the out what seats. three times. Yes, and I don't even know why. Because <laughs> you have to go get Elsa to stop the ice. And the snow level, like, continuing off from, like, the Big Hero 6 world where the movie San Francisco is, like, really exciting to, like, you know, see through. But the actual gameplay was empty. Like, same situation here. It's just basically an empty snow level. Yeah. You just go through a snow mountain over I and mean, over. I mean, it had a cool boss at the end. Yes, the wolf was fucking awesome. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it was cool. But leading off to that point, it's like, what? Like, yeah. They didn't even show, like, the Frozen villain's, like, face. They just, like, show the back of him forever. It's like, oh, that's the bad guy. Kono <laughs> Hansda. Ah. Oh. I mean, I'm I'm thankful that they didn't, like, 
you know, put me through like a musical sequence for Frozen. I mean, Even they the- did though. <laughs> I they do let it go it. in its entirety. It's not like it's like a shot for shot like recreation of Let It Go with intercut with Donald Sor and Goofy going Elsa, Elsa. Yeah, but it's not like the Little Mermaid levels where I actually sing all, like listen to Sora sing along to the songs. Hey, those were quick, painful, and painful, painful but quick, and you got painful. material you needed to make Ultima Weapon with. Uh, it could have been anyway. worse. So, I don't know what. Maybe they were restricted by Pixar in a way to like not like don't really include don't, do not have Sora beat the crap out of Hans. Yeah, because that's like violence. I mean, Disney's I was almost picturing you're family. gonna fight Elsa because she's like the only person with powers in that world. Yeah, that'd be so cool. I mean, I, like uh, that'd be neat. Missed opportunities, you know. I mean, you fight Hercules and in, in Hercules. <laughs> you fight Hercules and Hercules. Hmm. I mean, I mean, like you know, You're not wrong, in, in but his setting, you fight him. This sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud, doesn't it? But it's true. Um, yeah, I, you know, after fighting, well, this is like later talk, but the fact that you fight fight Aqua as a boss kind of gave me like hope to like, oh, maybe we can fight Elsa. Maybe she gets like turns stark or something, I, or she well, gets like. Also, to that yeah. argument, you fight, you do uh. Frozen before. The Aqua stuff. The Aqua fight, yeah. But, like, seems like there, there's always a missed opportunity in these levels. Like, well, that's a been lot the, that's of true of the entire series. The entire series, except for maybe the Toy Story world, it's largely a missed opportunity to do something really cool. I mean, you fight the Kraken in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Which that boss was, fight is kind of dumb, but it was still, pretty cool. not as good as it could have been. <laughs> nah. It was pretty underwhelming. I mean, given the wolf fight was cool, but like imagining if they put that effort into designing a boss fight with Elsa or something. I mean, it would just be more exciting if there was more for you to do in that level outside of climbing a mountain and then watching Let It Go. I hate you for that. I hate you. <laughs> but yeah, that's that was my biggest initial gripe. With like the you know the Kingdom Hearts world, like the fan service worlds wise, it started out great. You know, Olymp going through Olympus was kind of boring itself, but whatever. Toy Story made up for it. Can you imagine if they didn't have Toy Story? It would. I feel like the pace of the whole experience would be so drastically changed because Olympus was kind of a slog. It felt like a PS2 level. It felt like it was cut from an earlier version of the game that they kind of were like. No, we need it to set up the plot, or we need it to to start things off. Like, who can we fit in to kind of like tie this together, kind of thing? Like, what can we do to tie things together? What can we do as an intro level that's familiar but different? And I mean, it kind of works in that context, but it's it's just such a mixed bag. Now, before I go on, like, do you have any of your thoughts to give to the worlds? Like, <laughs> just in terms like the gameplay of like the different worlds or anything like that. Yeah, just the Disney slash Pixar worlds. I think we the only real the, the real bummer is that you do the first couple of worlds and you're like, this is okay. I'm having a fun time. And then you get to Toy Story and you're like, oh my god, like this is amazing. This is like what I want all the worlds to be. And then you go to the next couple of worlds and they're pretty good, but they don't really ever reach that. Like the game peaked early in terms of like excitement. And the only thing to sort of keep you going is the anticipation of what happens in the crazy, crazy story of Kingdom Hearts 3. Now, I actually found the world list. It's called San Francisco. Mm. I like San Francisco better. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to argue with canon. Now, the real reason people wanted to play Kingdom Hearts 3 is, I would say, not necessarily because of the toys, uh, toys the Disney and Pixar world. It's because we wanted to find out how Nomura is going to tie up six or eight, I don't know how many games, leading up to three, and wrap it up in a nice little package. Did we get that, though? Let's break it down. Okay, so after you go through the eight worlds, 
because I think you're. Cha- I don't remember, dude. Like, were you chasing? Were, were we chasing Xehanort? No. The whole <laughs> plot up until the last level is literally Sora go figure out how to use the power of waking. Yep. It's literally initially starts as go train because you lost in Dream Drop Distance. Go back. Go go level up. Go grind. Come back and then you didn't go get the power of waking we can't do anything to get the power of waking and then you go and do everything save aqua and get ventus back and you do it you do everything without the power of waking and then it's kind of like what's the point of the whole game if we didn't get the power of waking and that can only be achieved if you go through disney worlds and connect with the people and then you don't the, the story just kind of takes a, a pause during that it whole does. time like nothing happens there's no new developments it's it's just keep going to the disney worlds maybe you'll get the power of waking and he's like what's the power of waking and then they're like i don't know and he's like i'll figure it out like i at, even to this point i don't know what the power of waking is and like why would riku have it like did he go through all of this shit it's, like, it's really confusing in comparison. Like, okay, I guess Riku went through more, uh, like, I, say, I think I say it's his supposed to point be of from, the story. I think it's supposed to be from Dream Drop Distance. It's like the idea of, of being able to dive into dreams and using, like, hearts as a connection to places, worlds, and times. So Waking is a thing where Sora goes into, like, the darkness and then he lands up in that, you know, stained glass circular plane, right? That's what he does. Is that supposed to be waking? He it's, goes through that supposed, and kind of unlocks the heart. As we see in the final level of the game, it's meant to be you can jump across like space and time <sighs> through hearts. Like you know how the whole the whole gimmick in Kingdom Hearts One is that all the the hearts of the worlds have been sealed, and you have to unlock them to open the pathways to other worlds. Yeah, it's like that on a micro scale to other people, and you can go across space and time to other people. Wasn't your job trying to, like, seal those keyholes because they've been opened by the Heartless? Well, yes and no. Because in the first game, you, <laughs> you need to seal them and then reconnect the worlds. And then in the second game, so, you're kind of <laughs> doing it again. So you're locking them to unlock them. You're locking them and connecting them, I guess. That's the one thing I, like, it was so super confusing. Like, okay, I'm locking these so hard. Because the whole premise was, oh, the Heartless is like going through these keyholes opened by this mysterious figure and invading the world, so you need to go and close them only by Retro Keyblade. But if you do close them, then you, that's how somehow connect, connecting them, because reasons. Because the plot has to move forward somehow, damn it. Like, up to that point, it was like, okay, maybe that kind of makes sense, and Heartless do make sense, and the Kingdom Hearts 2 was like, nobody's, okay, then nobody makes sense. And then the whole waking thing happened. I'm like, I'm just lost. Like, okay, like, okay. First of all, I, I gotta <laughs> stop you because you're you're getting tripped up all over waking when there's ah. fucking time travel. Well, the, waking's like the like the initial layer before no we go into time it. <laughs> travel happened in Dream Drop Distance, and then that's been lingering. And then they use time travel to get all the Xehanorts there for the final battle somehow. And then they get dolls because only your heart can travel through time and then they can do that for the good guys too apparently. Which tra- travels to the keyholes through time. I, it's I, also the power of one of the keyblades I think. Isn't I it? don't know. We're me- just meant to nod and continue on. So nodding and continuing forward after the eight worlds, you go kill Aqua, then you rescue her. Hooray. Arguably one of the more better boss fights, I think. It would be. Well, maybe that problem did it fall short now. It fell short because it was so easy. Because Kingdom Hearts 3 was pretty easy overall. They Magic introduced was super critical broken mode. This game. They, have, they have critical mode now, so I'd be curious to see how some of those fights have held up on critical mode. Because going through I, i'm pretty sure i played on hard like whatever like the like not critical i'm trying to think proud of what the name is proud i played on proud but even proud mode was pretty tame compared to like playing through kingdom hearts 2 on a similar difficulty mm-hmm. also i found like compared to kingdom hearts 2 where just mashing was more effective i think like physical attacks Magic got a significant boost in this game. So one one of the examples, like the Rapunzel Keyblade, 
which lets you summon copies of yourself and, and shoot it gives beams you from that giant, projectile. Yeah, once you up get to the form change, it's My ridiculous. God. I think I used that for most of the game. Yeah, that that thing and the frozen keyblade, which like sprouts ice blades, was like super effective. Where to make other keyblades like irrelevant at times. Yeah, and because there's so many like summons, there's so many attraction attacks, there's so many ways to output damage for free that the game's balance is all kind of whack, and most of the difficulty has to come from you imposing restrictions on yourself to not use certain mechanics or to not use to go into certain things. Which goes back to Darren's statement, which I agree with. I played on proud mode, um, I think. No, I probably played on normal just to get the story out, but overall it was too easy. And yes, I actually want to go through the critical one and the DLC, hopefully, since usually they include like boss rushes in these like alt, uh, final mixes. It appears to it be, be the case. It will be interesting to see if the game goes back to its like really difficult routes because some of the bosses in Kingdom Hearts 2 were super hard. Whereas in Kingdom Hearts 3, I don't remember a boss other than the final one, which I think he was as hard for like BS reasons. I mean, I remember I died once on the final boss and then I just retried it and just did it. I don't know. Maybe I was under leveled, but like, like other than the final boss, like rest of the bosses were like super easy. I died to the wolf because I didn't know what to do when like he was like the meteor was crashing. I was like, wait, what do I do again? And I just died because of the event trigger. But like everything else was like super simple because like none of the, which goes to our final point the final maze maze sequence where you fight the different organization members and different like Xehanorts. Even those boss battles kind of got convoluted because you didn't fight them on one by one. You fought them two or three at a time. And they had reduced health bars and they had they had similar patterns to like their Kingdom Hearts 2 variants, but it was less involved. And it looks like the Remind DLC fleshes out each of those boss fights. Which is good because the AI for the original Kingdom Hearts 3 bosses some, sometimes were brain dead where they just chase you endlessly. Yeah. You would it, think it, they would it, do like combination attacks, but... It kind of seems like the Remind DLC is a way to kind of patch in content that really would have made the base game improved. I mean, may, as you said, development hell. Maybe this DLC will actually make Kingdom Hearts 3 an actual contender again. But that aside, um, so there's other aspects of Kingdom Hearts 3 where even up till now, the story was convoluted. And That's then, an understatement. <laughs> you, th- you thought it was difficult to catch up up to this point. And then they take you... <laughs> well, maybe you can explain this to me because you can understand English better than me. Explain what the final world is. The final world is the last world. It's where you go to die. It's where when you die, you go to the final world. It's like your soul has to pass through there. So it's like that gate before like that attendant guy tells you to go to hell or heaven, right? <laughs> it kind of seems like a type of purgatory. And then you can talk to other spirits there. Some of them are actually like characters from other Kingdom Hearts games. Like some of them are actually like... Like, I'm pretty, you could, like, it, you probably missed this on your first playthrough, because I did, but you could talk to frickin' Domine there. Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, I missed that the first no, playthrough. I, I talked yeah. to every single spirit there, because I, I thought it was I mandatory. I played through, because I was like, I just want to get to the end of this game. I remember it was, like, a work How night, and I was, like, I was like, I just need to finish this game. I just need this to be done. And I remember <laughs> seeing that, I was like, holy shit, like, that has huge plot implications, and it does. And it's, yes. It's weird, because it just adds more questions about how the nature of the world works. Because it's like, you know, when the Heartless were attacking Kingdom Hearts 1, they're attacking people and, like, killing them and turning them to Heartless. Did they come back? Did they get put to the final world? What happened to those people? Does everyone also, go here? Is it just, like, Keyblade people? If you didn't play the stupid mobile game that Kingdom Hearts Cross or whatever, then you don't know who the hell the furball is. No, and you don't know what the deal is with the Keyblade Graveyard when you have all the spirits no. of the Union Cross players helping you out. And I was like, wow, really throwing them a bone at the expense of the story. Like, it was cool and all. I mean... Kind of. 
is okay. It didn't really matter because as soon as you do it, you get outnumbered by Heartless. Yeah. Also, then, the whole final world thing enables time travel because he gets Sora gets to redo the final battle and they all die to the Heartless. Yeah, because God. <laughs> and then it turns Sa- out Yen Satan? Sid is powerful enough to hold off all the Heartless. Oh, the classic Deus Ex Machina Sid. <laughs> Maki Sid. I, I hated that. Like, why weren't you there from the beginning? I mean, it just made me go like, man, it would have been so cool. Because he's supposed to be like the OG Keyblade Master, right? Yeah. He was supposed to have trained Xehanort and freaking Ericus. Yes. It would have been super cool to see him interact with Xehanort at least once. Like, my foolish pupil of a pupil of a pupil. My <laughs> foolish pupil. I can't believe you have turned to darkness to save the world. Because how? Let's talk about that. How Xehanort's whole plan was to save the world by damning all the worlds to the darkness to save it. A typical Final Fantasy villain, you know? Which made, like, no sense because he's killed possibly thousands of millions of people all but sacrificial pawns in my grand plan yeah like xehanort once we got to dream drop distance got eyes and levels of convoluted for pre-planning bullshit of just being like i have foreseen everything i have time travel powers i've met with myself in the past to set up this time loop to get clones of myself from different timelines and different points in history it was it's such They're a all mess. Darknesses. And at the end of it, they freaking redeem him. Yep. Which is the biggest bullshitty thing to me. Super, super dumb moment where Ericus is like, ah, my dear old friend. Let it go, will ya? My Let dear old friend who scarred over. me horribly <laughs> and then murdered me. You turn my apprentices against each other like your pawns, but I forgive you now. And he actually killed him. And cue the Kingdom Hearts music, because emotions. And then he also killed Kyrie. <laughs> that was a thing, and then he still gets redeemed. Yep. And all of the training for Kyrie, so she can be used in DLC. Yep. And all this hype about Axel slash Rhea being a king, a Keyblade master. Hmm, all for DLC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the story, the very ending was very disappointing. It's. I think the biggest sucker punch to me is that when I originally played Birth by Sleep, I was like stunned by how shocking it was. Oh how the fate of the three characters is so tragic and it set in motion all the events of the Kingdom Hearts games. And their tragedy was like the heart of it all. Harp it all. Harp and it all. Uh, I know heart, right? Kingdom Hearts. Uh, and... There's this whole thing in Kingdom Hearts 3 where it's like you need to go back and like undo their pain. I I didn't I thought it meant to like resolve their pain, not completely, oh, you're alive again, you're back to normal again. We restored you completely. Like that just seems so cheapening to me. Like, do you remember did you ever play 358 over two days? Yes, I did. did were you emotional near the end of that game? When uh, Xion died? Yeah, and then no one can remember her. Yeah, kind of. Does that for feel the, for, like For final? a 3DS game, yeah. Didn't that feel <laughs> final to you? Oh, don't. No, 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 Darren. It's fine because we have dolls. It is. We have dolls, and she's just <laughs> we have back. And even though no one can remember dolls. her. Like, what? Like, they just undo so many, like, what should be death blows Actual or... Death. Or, like, like they've gone past the point of no return. Like, the stuff with Terranort was ridiculous. The stuff with Aqua was... It could have been better. Ventus was, like, a really easy solution. And then the freaking Shion thing was just hand-waved. And then Roxas is just there! Yeah, the Roxas thing, like, is not the hardest thing to, like, understand. Like, you're not supposed to be... You're just supposed to be Sora's nobody, but now you're an actual being. Like, like the like whole thing like is Roxas has a heart despite being a nobody because of Ventus, but Ventus has his heart back and Sora's complete, so Roxas shouldn't be able to exist. Well, isn't he a doll too? His heart's an a doll, but how does he have his heart if Ventus has his heart and Sora has his heart? 
What's the old Pinocchio line? Oh, if you th- if you like think hard enough, you can have a heart of your own, Pinocchio, or some shit. Maybe, maybe that's the explanation. I don't know. The game doesn't explain it. The game doesn't even try. Which I don't blame the game for not trying because no it's, explanation it's would be satisfying. Like, yes, I do agree. Like, sh- I think. Oh, I'm not sure if you'll relate to this analogy, but do you read? Have you read fairy tale at all? I read fairy tale up to after the time skip, and then I said, I'm done with this. Okay, good. Then you'll at least get my point. You know how in that manga, people seemingly die or look like they died, but they come back? Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing here. Like, if you kill somebody off, then you can't use them for a further plot line down the line because they're not creative enough to invent new characters or plot lines to actually make a coherent sense of all things. Like, it felt like Kingdom Hearts 3's endgame was just to make sure everyone got a happy ending but Sora. Kind of like the actual Avengers endgame, except one person dies. But in this game, only one person actually died, and the DLC is you going going to look for her. Yeah, (sighs) I'm really unclear about how that's going to pan out. Um, I'm super sad you don't get to kill Xehanort. (laughs) <laughs> I kind of wanted to waste his ass after all this time. It's like, oh my I, god. I, I just feel so cheapened by the fact that they just hand wave away his borderline like war crimes and, and everything he's done and all the people he's harmed. They just hand wave it and go, oh no, you're okay. You're just misguided. Like, terrible people should be the most pissed off about all this. And like, well, I don't know what happens to him. They just do it in like behind the scenes. But like, he just... No, is Terrapin back? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does get his he's body back. back. He, because he was Ansem's... Uh, Everyone's Ansem's, back. Uh, nobody, uh, heartless thing. Even the freaking Organization <laughs> 13 members who like were good are back. But they're humans, not actual nobody. Uh, nobody's anymore. They're, they're human forms. They're somebody. <laughs> Isn't that the actual term? I, I hope not. Everybody... <sighs> I thought that was the actual term. Is that they're actually called a somebody. Like, to be fair, my fanboyism kind of, like, you know, went after chart when Tara got his body back. I'm like, ah! It was him all along. It's but, like... pretty silly. Uh, I mean, maybe all of our opinion might be changed once I, like, once we play through the DLC. Because actually, like, explains what the hell happened. I doubt, mm. I doubt that. <laughs> I... Well, the, also, the other thing is... They're really... Okay, okay. So let's wrap this up a bit. So the Xehanort story kind of ends with him just him and Eric has kind of doing like the you know, buddy old friend hugging, glowing into light and disappearing like, oh, we leave the world to you now. Uh-huh. And just disappear, right? And then the plot they're trying to like push now is you know how Zigbar the like the, the dual gun guy? The one with the eye patch? Yes, Zigbar. That's his name. Yeah. Z- Zigbar is apparently like another like a main cog in this like mess that is the kingdom Hearts storyline i mean to be fair i <laughs> like him and i like the idea that he's just been scheming the whole time but at the same time it's so ridiculous like every i think some people thought oh you know what's the, the cgi movie which i know i know about it though i've watched okay, okay. footnotes i i know about it i didn't waste my time actually watching it so TLDR is at at the end of the the CGI movie, one of the shorter apprentices carries a box and like carries it to the desert, and I think Zigbar was supposed to be that apprentice in the end because what's that card guy name? Luxford. Luxford. I I love this accent by the way. Um, like he he confronts Zigbar in the DLC with like what's in the fucking box, and that was the one plot line that everyone wanted to know that never got resolved. What's in the fucking box? And that's also a sucker punch to me because that's they didn't like resolve that. They kind of ended up with, oh, two old men die happily with each other. The end. They, get to, go to, they get to go to heaven together. <laughs> Why would they go to heaven? <laughs> Ericus tried to kill Terra and Xehan or cause genocide. <laughs> and he killed Ericus. And he killed Ericus. Why would he go to heaven? 
He's and Ericus is just cool with it. This is the title of the podcast: Xehanort goes to heaven. <laughs> it's just JoJo Part Six. Anyway, so Sora saves the world, but Kyrie's still dead. But Sora goes like, "No, her heart lingers somewhere in the world," and he goes after her, and everyone's happy, merry. But Sora's gone somewhere, and and we need to play the DLC to find out what happened. And I was okay with this. I'm like, okay, they'll probably resolve in a final mix. So I'm looking forward to the DLC. But my point being, <sighs> I'm 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 more so excited about the possibility of the future with the secret ending with Yoroza. Is that how you say uh, it? I don't know. Yozora. Are we actually talking about that? <laughs> well, I'm excited at the prospect of like starting fresh, of having a new protagonist and having a new setting. Okay. okay. And just being able to leave, hopefully, most of the baggage of the series behind. Okay, okay, okay. Before we go on that point, spoilers. This is regarding the secret ending of the DLC, which got leaked already. Surprise, internet. Um, the secret trailer has the main character for Yozora, or Lux Vectum, or whatever, in a similar position as Noctis in the original Versus 13 trailers. So everyone is hyping this up as, okay, Nomura is making Versus 13, but just calling it Kingdom Hearts 4 or something. Well, not Kingdom Hearts 4, but Kingdom Hearts 3, Zora, I guess. Just call Kingdom Hearts 3 your Rosa or your Sora or whatever. <laughs> um, Okay, okay, so be- before we move on and more complaining follows... Don't get me wrong. I like Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> it just doesn't as make a, any sense. As a game. Like, it's a great action game if you don't follow the story. It's a great action game. The it's battle system. It's a really fun action game. It's a fun action game. But turn your brain off. Please. Like and to people who legitimately love the story, like, power to you. You can like whatever the hell you want. But you are insane if you're going to go into any argument saying that... That uh, the story makes perfect sense and you have to just be able to read between the lines and follow all the plot lines. Like, it's actually to the point of ridiculousness to how far it goes to, like, counterdict itself and just make things happen for the sake of things happening. Like, it's it's beyond anything else in, like, media in terms of how convoluted one universe could be. Like, nothing compares to, I think. Nothing. Not even like Game of Thrones, but that wasn't that convoluted in a sense. Mm. Nothing comes close. I mean, I was hoping that, like, my hope was okay, just even Nomura said this in an interview, like, Sora's story is over. Or, no, 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 no. no. I, correct, I'm correcting myself. The Zeha Nord saga is over. You say that, but there's a prequel <laughs> coming out. Or something. We don't even know if it's a prequel. I said it was a prequel, but there's a mobile game. And it's dubbed Project Xehanort, and it has a picture of the younger Xehanort during like the apprentice days, but it's for mobile only. I was hoping it's a chess game. <laughs> Who even knows? Um, so we're talking about Kingdom Hearts three because one DLC and two, it's a game that came out the like the the decade, the previous decade. And as you can tell from our various ramblings that, well, we enjoy it as an action game, <laughs> which I some people debate that Birth by Sleep battle system was still better than this one. A lot of I people kinda... argue against that. Kingdom Hearts 2 really? is still regarded as the height of the series. I The only reason I don't, I don't put Kingdom Hearts 2 battle system as high, like one of the GOAT, is like a lot of... You can just beat the game just by attacking. Have you ever played the game on critical mode? Yes, where I just parry and reflex stuff. Yeah, but oh, like you can't beat parry, like you can't beat critical mode by mashing. Like a lot of the boss fights are really strategic, and oh, require yeah, like a mastery do... of the system. I mean, for any boss rush, that that would actually take strategy. But like in a general sense, where people won't play, be playing this on critical, don't you think it's kind of easy? Yeah, all of them yeah, are but... easy. But I. St- I still don't consider two to be like the like the one of the best though. 
I would put three above two, then Birth by Sleep, kind of like on the same level as three, and then Nobody Likes Kingdom Hearts one. <laughs> but yeah, and this is why Kingdom Hearts three isn't our game of the decade. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. I mean. It's kind of interesting that we're talking about Kingdom Hearts 3 in this way because the same can be said for like Near Automata, which, spoilers, is my game of the decade. But like as convoluted as Near was, as like storyline wise, I don't, yeah, as Darren said, nothing compares to it like Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts, like the entire universe. And I'm actually. I actually wanted to go play the DLC right now. I just want to see what's like. Like, what do they do with it? But, like, what can they possibly do? Like, I think the best case scenario is, like, they just rescue Kyrie and she's back. And The best case is going to be is that you just go back at various points, do more boss fights, have a couple areas to explore, and then it's all wrapped up effectively with the ending happening and setting up the next Kingdom Hearts game. Like, you're not going to get that much explanation, I don't think. I think you're going to get, like, a bare minimum. Do you think they're going to set up another, like, like when you say New Kingdom Hearts, do you think they're going to start another arc? Or, like, it's a new, brand new Kingdom Hearts game, like, legit, I think it's going to be treated, it'll be treated as another arc. It's not going to be brand, brand new. It's because it's still attached to the baggage. I think it'll be the farthest removed anything Kingdom Hearts has been for a long time, but it will still, like, it'll have... Lushu being the main villain and all that like that will be the case but maybe you get to be in the Yorozo world or you get to be in that not versus 13 world like maybe that's the key thing maybe how much Nomura finally gets to make the game that he actually wants to make how much would you love it if they just retold the entire Kingdom Hearts storyline up to now but they just did like an alternate universe setting in like the Yozora world (laughs) <laughs> but it retold the story that we've already gotten. But it's like an alternate universe where like things are like flipped around and shit. I would love it. It was just completely different. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to hear Sora's voice once in this next game. I don't want to. I don't want to see Sora. I want to see Kyrie. I want to see Riku. I don't want to see Mickey Mouse. You know what's a lie? I will want to see Mickey Mouse because that'll be weird. But I just want it to be radically different. So you don't want a Kingdom Hearts game. I want a Kingdom Hearts combat system with everything without the baggage of the convoluted story, the batshit crazy plot twists. I just want something different. Just give me... You can have crazy crap happen in it, but just make it different, you know? What would have made you put, like, like Kingdom Hearts 3? Because we all said combat was fine, but, like, how would you even fix the story if you wanted to? Holy well, shit, like, how Andy, change there's it? like, I'd first of all make there be a connected plot between the Disney worlds and the final story bit because there's no connection there at all. Remember the princesses? Yeah, exactly. I would try <laughs> to have a, like a thread, like, like, a, like a plot line that connects them that way and maybe in, like intersect some of that, like that plot dump near the end throughout the game instead of just having it all at the end. I like, would well, like. Yeah. There, there's no saving the story because the story has nowhere to go. Like, where do you go from this point? You start fresh. You have a well, clean except, slate. Like, except what's in the box? <sighs> I just that's, what, what? that's the only storyline that remains. What's in the box? Why does it matter? Because, well, again, like movie plot, like the. The Grand Master, like the very first master, instructed the guy to never open the box until the timing is correct. So everyone's wondering, like, what is this going to be do- like doing? It's just going to be a to the entire universe. What if it just resets the world again? Oh. Why do we need to reset the world? To retell it in the Yozora setting. Uh. Just do a new story <laughs> in that setting. Uh. Oh, it's the problem with franchises like this. It's almost like a Final Fantasy type universe in of itself. A game made by Square Enix, like it's like a Final Fantasy game. Who knew? So the 
Final question to end this. Will you be actually playing the DLC? Maybe at some point, but I don't really want to touch it right now. <laughs> I actually I, want to f- force you to play it, to actually like make you sit through the cutscenes. You know, I feel like I'd be more inclined to play it if I had like a file prepped, because I don't want to go back to my file that I beat forever ago. I'd rather start fresh and get to do a try critical mode, see how if that improves the game, makes it more rewarding. And I'd be curious to see if any of the stuff from the DLC, like, is it, it, like, it seems like it's all self-contained. Like, it doesn't trickle over to the main story. I hope it doesn't. I, I'd kind of prefer if the, if it fixed stuff in the base game and had stuff after the ending. Like, that would be my preference, but I don't think that's the case. They did fix up on the graphical side, too, which... I guess it's it's impressive, but they might do what again. Like we gotta play this to figure out. But um, you ever played the DLC for Deus Ex: Human Revolution? Yes. You know how in the original game they just skip that moment where the Jensen goes into the container, yeah, and he just goes disappear for three weeks, and that was supposed to be the DLC. Now, yeah. if you if you have the DLC, you actually get to play that. So actually, like. You know, the DLC is within the main plot line instead of like, okay, you get to play the missing link level yeah. separately. So I think. But it also, in the game yeah. of the year version of Deus Ex uh, Human Revolution, it was tied into the main game and you got to carry over your stuff into the main game. Yeah. So I'm. I'm I think that's what they might do because it makes more sense that way. Because, for example, you get to play the Terra Nor armor versus. Uh, that, that, the Terra armor versus Terra Nord, whereas in the original game it was just a cutscene where the armor carries the Terra Nord off, off to the side. Mm. So I think instead of being this like, okay, you're playing the remind chapter of the game, it just seems like, uh, like you'll be f- like you know sandwiched in between the main experience, you know, because you can do chapter select in Kingdom Hearts Three, can't you? I don't recall. Because otherwise, how would you play this? I don't know. Truth be told. Well, we will find out in the near future. Darren won't play this when it goes on sale. I might play this right away because I'm actually super curious because I want to know what's the box. (laughs) I don't think you're going to find out. Like, legit, that's all I fucking care about. I don't care about what happens to Kyrie. She'll probably live because romance, like, ships, but... That stupid box has been plaguing me since like the damn mobile game. Not that I played, I just saw like somebody uh, play through it. But what's in the goddamn box? I think you might have to wait another decade to find out. Fuck, I'll be too old by that point <laughs> to actually care. Oh my god. But yeah, when we were first discussing this, Darren was like, "Like, how are we gonna talk about this for a podcast?" But look at us now. We're at the hour point, and we have somehow talked about Kingdom Hearts 3 for an hour, even though the game came out nine months ago. So, in your face, Darren, I was right. All right, let's send off this episode we had to create out of the drought of video game news correctly. So, Darren, tell us what you have going on in your life. Well, content-wise, there'll be more Emblem Cast in the future, and I don't necessarily have firm plans, but I have plans for the Gaming Pilgrimage YouTube channel. There's really? going to be something, so keep an eye on that at YouTube.com/slash/TheGamingPilgrimage, and Can maybe we get consider. A teaser? Pardon? Can we get a teaser? I need to go back to finish what I started. Dun, 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 dun. So you're you're Zeranord then? <laughs> no. Time, time travel. You need to go back and fix all the things. Okay, fuck. I'm editing this out. Fuck you. Um, do go on. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> all right. You can check out his revival project i guess on gaming pilgrimage at youtube um for me just regular podcast upload is the highest priority for me 
And my new computer is finally coming after months and months of waiting. So hopefully that PC will be better at processing, uh, like streaming. So maybe I should I could stream more. We'll see. Um, initial plan was like I'm loving Bloodborne up to that point, so I might continue that. But I'm still trying to find a game where I can enjoy playing, and it's not boring for people. So still a lot of experimentation on that front. So hopefully I get I reach a conclusion where I pick a game actually play through it. Um, that's it for today. Again, you can find this podcast, this wonderful podcast, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Search Gaming Blues Podcast. Leave us a review, good or bad, probably bad, given by this episode. <laughs> Self-deprecation. The best kind of deprecation. And so we can improve on future episodes. And hopefully better news arise so we can actually talk about things. This has been episode 1415. This has been a newest episode of the Gaming Blues Podcast. Uh, thank you, Darren, for joining me, and we will see you in the next episode. Goodbye. May your heart be your guiding light. Darren went to heaven. Yeah.